Welcome to Creator's Playbook, the podcast that inspires creativity for st- for, for storytelling. Whoa. Yes, you heard me. I saved that. I may have fumbled. I almost dropped the ball, but I caught it with my foot. I did that cool thing where I bounce it on my knees and my 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 ankles and toes, and then I caught it. Um, also here for your entertainment. Maybe you're not here to write. Maybe you just want to have a good time and talk mm-hmm. about to Maybe. talk about people that are your friends who I also. I talk I'm a going. Lot. <laughs> you do talk. Sometimes don't you? I don't shut up. <laughs> the amount of the amount that Robbie has to edit out of what I say is literally ridiculous. You talk the perfect amount. I don't oh, know what you're talking true. about. And you know it. Yeah. You're practically <laughs> I have to be so careful when I cut out because it may bring the whole podcast episode down if I'm not careful. To a screeching so. halt. It's so terrible. Actually, it just makes it go better when you remove me from it. So <laughs> oh, if you're yeah. listening back to this podcast and I am not in this episode, you will know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me talking to myself the whole time. It's wonderful. I'm Robbie, by the way. I'm Steven, by the way. And um, Steven, tell me, uh, d- Evil Overlord, do they got you on the run? Don't you just wish you mm-hmm. had a place to hang up all your cool gadgets and weapons where no one would bother you for the evening? My gadgets and gizmos aplenty. Yeah, exactly. Don't you just want to relax after a hard night of crime fighting or instigating a rebellion? You with like me? Like a cabana on the beach? Like a, yeah, like a cabana on the beach. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. <laughs> well, Stephen, what it sounds like you need is a secret base. Ooh. And holy macaroni, my friend, we're going to talk about how to make that happen. Okay, Bless here we go. Cheese. Secret bases. Plus that cheese. You said holy macaroni. I did. <laughs> so bless the cheese. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. This is great. All right, here we go. So uh secret bases such a moniker yeah yeah they're like the moniker of two big genres you see them all over the place but Mm -hmm. one comic books every superhero and supervillain has their secret base are there ones that don't oh i'm sure there's plenty but a lot do um okay let's name them um we have professor xavier school for the gifted obviously batman batman is the one that comes first right with the bat cave Superman has one. Fortress yep. of Solitude. This Fortress of Solitude. Doctor um, Strange. Has his house, I guess. It's like the something Baker Street or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, that, wait, no, that's that, in New York, isn't it? It is in New York, but I think what I was quoting was actually from Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> something something Baker Street. But which ones of those are secret and which ones of those are bases that are a little bit more known? Because obviously when you have like the School of the Gifted, Everybody knows about that school because they literally go everywhere seeking for students, but it does have its secret base for the X-Men underneath it. How many people have just like figured out, oh, wait, that's at the school? Like, you know what I'm saying? What, what constitutes the secret and what, what constitutes the not secret? The whole premise of a secret base is being secret, right? Let's be honest. Having a bunch of teenagers try and keep a secret may not be the best best secret keeping strategy 
And I mean, I mean have you seen TikTok? Literally everything I was gonna is exposed say, on TikTok. Be, if we're looking at it on a modern day X-Men, we're having Jean Grey. She's like walking down through the secret base like, hey, here's Xavier's super cerebral focusing device. Isn't it so cool? And then she does like a kissy face and poses in front of it. Peace All sign. right. Let's go see where the weapons of mass destruction are stored. <laughs> There's just like TikToks all over the place. And Xavier's like, guys, come on. Let's get it together. What are you doing? Jean Grey probably responds, get off my back or I'm releasing the phoenix. Go away. <laughs> Go away. Or I'm literally going to destroy the world. Okay? <laughs> stop. Just stop. This is my school now, by the way. <laughs> I'm Xavier. Get it? <laughs> no. No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Well, secret bases, they are you know, they have to be a secret. Now, Mm -hmm. I think you did name some, like, obviously we got people that have bases. And one of the ways that kind of helps identify your secret base and what adds story to why your base is a secret is to clarify why your base needs to be hidden. It's kind of the foundation of any good secret space, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to good storytelling in a secret base, right? So Mm -hmm. if we're going off of some of those examples that you listed, um, well, let's just review them. Like, let's talk about Batman. Like, Mm -hmm. why does Batman have to have a secret base? Honestly, I'm kind of shocked that people don't figure out, you know, the whole Bruce Wayne and Batman identity thing a lot sooner than they ever do. It it just seems too obvious, I guess, but I I don't know. I I don't think so. I mean, you're looking at people now, especially nowadays where people are so rich that they can start their own space companies with their spare change. (laughs) So, I mean, if someone could do that, literally the fact that it's with their spare change blows my mind. I know it's crazy. (laughs) But the thing is, is that's how rich Batman's supposed to be in the comics, if not richer. Exactly. And so the whole point is he can build a secret base. And honestly, yeah. who's going to look at someone at, who's going to look at Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos and be like, Batman. <laughs> like, okay, you have a fair point. All you, seriousness. But, but right. then it, oh, I have so much I'm going to say, but I don't want to derail this conversation. Yeah, we got it. We got to reel it back. We have to be careful. But it's a good point. But still, like, why does Batman need to hide? Like, what's his whole thing? Well, I, I do think he, honestly, it's to protect both identities. You, you have his Batman identity, and that survives on nobody knowing who Batman is. And also his livelihood and his businesses survive on people not knowing that the head of Wayne... Wayne Co? Wayne, Wayne Core? Wayne, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Wayne Co. Uh, but, oh, Wayne Co. He sells food. Um, $50 membership every year, but the prices are great if you're willing to buy wholesale Wayne products. He has a really <laughs> weird bat station. Uh, a bad a bad aisle in every single one of his stores. <laughs> it drives me crazy. It's a franchise. What can, what can you say? What can um, you do? Wait, of, what was it again? Wait, instead wait. of Kirkland products, it's Batlin products. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> you could imagine. That's the problem. <laughs> the other side of it, too, is that Bruce Wayne and his livelihood, his businesses literally only function, you know, Wayne Enterprises only continues to exist as people do not relate him back to Batman. Um, and so I that dichotomy has to stay in balance by the two identities being completely separate. And a lot of the stories that you see in comics and movies come back to his identity. It's something so core to his character because mm-hmm. in his whole 
persona, he struggles with who he is as Batman and who he is as Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. And the identity becomes a huge part of who he is. And he spends more time in his Batcave than he does in his mansion. That whole story is Bruce Wayne realizing that he is more Batman than he is Bruce Wayne. And it's almost like Bruce Wayne becomes the puppet or becomes the character that is the mask to who Batman is. Exactly. And we're actually going to do an episode on secret identities. That's on my list. Oh, I know. I'm not going to take that theme unless I get to it. Right. (laughs) You might beat me to it. You'll see a lot of parallels between uh, secret identities and secret bases. Yeah. Uh, And for good reason, because you all have a reason to hide something. But we're talking about secret bases, right? And we see how this plays into Batman's needing to hide mm-hmm. a secret identity to keep himself safe, a place where he can be his his bat self. Yeah. So as you can see, his there is a self. <laughs> his very bat self. There is a storytelling element to be told there, which is his secret identity needs a house, if you will. And there's so much you can do there. That is one example of how a secret base can be a part of a storytelling element, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if I were to just say one last thing about the Batcave, like like you were alluding to, the Batcave itself has a whole personality. The Batcave mm. is a character. And there are multiple times with the Batcave coming under attack or um, Bruce Wayne trying to do something in the Batcave that he's not allowed to or or anything like that, where that character really does have its own story arc, even down to the Batcave being full of bats. And, you know, Bruce Wayne's first arc of claiming that space as his own, not just a cave, but his cave. The the base itself and all of its secret plays into a headquarters, a base of all the needs, the mission, the personality, the soul of not only our character, but also the story itself. It is a housing unit uh, for the personalities that will be there mm-hmm. and also serve as a, a a place for many scenes in the plot. So mm-hmm. as you can see, a secret base is extremely important and it could be an element that is needed for a story. And we'll explore ways how a secret base could be something completely innocuous to something elaborate and incredible. Um, with that in mind, I think we've established it's pretty easy to know what a secret base is, right? Can I tell you one of my secret ba- favorite secret bases? What is your favorite secret base? I, I have a favorite secret base. <laughs> it's from a video game. There is a video game that I absolutely fell in love with called Skies of Arcadia. And Skies oh. of Arcadia, I think, is one of the classic RPGs that I highly recommend. Um, the main character, Vice, uh, during the story, ends up getting stranded on one of the floating islands. And it's this little dinky island that nearly claims his life. And the entire story arc while he's stranded on this island is Vice trying to escape from this island. He's able to do so, but when Vice ends up um, putting together a crew and becoming a captain, he returns to this deserted island that almost kills him and turns it into his secret base. And as you play the game and you go out and play different character storylines and collect more characters to add to your crew, they populate the island and they build all these like cute little buildings on it. But underneath all the buildings is his full airship hangar that is their secret base. And That's so, so cool. it's such a great storyline. It is well implemented. And it is, I think, one of the classic secret bases where the island, just like Batman, had its own character arc with Vice and the way that he is able to overcome that. And 
claim that and become that. That's so powerful. And I love that you mentioned that um, in a way the base is its own character and it has its own arc. It, it really is something you can have fun with if you do it right. And mm-hmm. again, just have fun with it. And they just grow really with your characters. They can. Absolutely mm-hmm. they can if you choose to. Well, should you ready for my prompt? Yeah, let's we just do hop it. into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as soon as we do the prompt, we'll uh, answer some questions and start Perfect. making our own secret base. Ooh. Juliana felt something her mind hadn't felt in so long. It sizzled at first, rising up in the back of her skull before it flowed down into her eyes, causing them to flutter. It stung sharply, tightly, right at the edge of her eyelids, but she barely kept it at bay. A dark, empty world blinked into existence before her, a lone shape the only occupant. A tall, square column stood in front of her with a single, red-glowing line tracing the middle. It pulsed slowly, threateningly, like the heat of lava as it creeps across the ground. She could feel it staring at her, probing her, accounting for every particle that flowed in her veins and left her with each breath. Observation Mind 454-B You have been unassigned from the grid and granted temporary detachment. Subject to protocols established by Noron, a voice said, booming. Noron, the supreme, the everything and the nothing. That name shook her mind and nearly caused her to fall to her knees in subservience. And she nearly did. But for the first time since she could remember, she didn't have to. She didn't have to because she was detached. Speak, the voice boomed. Her voice nearly cracked like dry sand in her throat. She coughed several times, heaving, before a small glass on a silver platter floated towards her. She didn't know what it was in the cup, but instinctively she grabbed it and poured it down her throat. It burned, and she nearly spewed it out. But it somehow soothed her at the same time. You have been assigned to a task. Your mind is sufficient for the task. You have been informed, it said again, roaring inside her mind. All of it hurt, the voice, the light, even the strange thing she had just put into herself. It all felt so grimy. Speak, the voice roared again. And as though something had grabbed the back of her neck, she snapped to attention, standing straight and bowing her head. I understand. Detachment 1-A must be located by unconventional means. All resources of the... She licked her lips, the dryness creeping in. She didn't feel worthy of those words, as though her tongue couldn't bear the weight of them. They felt heavy as she spoke. All resources of Noron will be available according to my authority. She breathed out and nearly collapsed, the words having taken most of her strength. Your adjustment is satisfactory. Prepare. Investigate and locate Detachment 1-A by all means at your disposal. A line of white cut through all around her, slicing a perfect circle out of the darkness, burning her eyes. It slowly rose, filling her world, as the darkness that once surrounded her transformed into rising walls. They had always been walls, she just couldn't see them before. And now as they rose all about her, the world pouring in, she could no longer fight it, and the sting burst from her eyes as she wept.
There you go. Senior wow. prompt. Okay, okay. So I'm getting two vibes, if you don't mind me making comparisons. I'm totally feeling one part Matrix to one part Power Rangers. <laughs> I get the Matrix part. And yeah, there's definitely some virtual reality stuff going on here to a degree or at least implied what's the power rangers though um so like the the voice that's going on in her head with like (laughs) i got a mission for you (laughs) but what's what's his name uh lord not lord uh noron no 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 no. and power rangers oh (laughs) (laughs) i hate to tell you this robbie (laughs) zardon Zardon is the Power Rangers. (laughs) I am incapable of original thought. (laughs) That's okay. If it makes you feel better, the the first appearance, the first episode that Zardon appeared in is called The Day of the Dumpster. (laughs) And the last appearance of Zardon is Countdown to Destruction. (laughs) That's great. Oh, my goodness. Such catchy titles. I like it. So Zardon is the fictional character from Power Rangers franchise who served as the Rangers mentor. Nice. Way to go, Zardon. Way to go, Zardon. There's, there's something with an ah, ah, Zardon, nor on. There's something about an O oh, on that just sounds so domineering and controlling. <laughs> well, let's talk about questions then. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's get roll into that. this in a, in a specific direction. Um, here's the thing. Now, to give you some preface here, when I was writing this, one, I did not want to mention what the base was or who it was. Mm -hmm. Certainly, if we wanted to, we can. However, just so you know, what we have just talked about, everything, all the characters involved has nothing to do with the secret base itself. Oh, So where she's at is not the secret base. Okay. And um, she's actually not even supposed to be the person that is hiding in the secret base. Rather, she is searching and I use some wording here. I mean, obviously, people are being referred to with uh, strange denominations. Hmm. You know, she's searching for something or someone called Detachment 1-A. And she is being referred to as Observation Mind 454-B. So clearly, there's some strange mm-hmm. nomenclature being employed by whatever this thing is, right? And to make be clear, she is not involved. He, This thing is not involved with the secret mm-hmm. base. But because I wanted to uh, really present what we're going to tackle for the first question, mm-hmm. which is we're going to create the enemy first. We're going to okay. create the reason why, it doesn't have to be an enemy, why someone has to have a secret base. Mm-hmm. What is our antagonist? What is the force to be hid from? Mm-hmm. That's what we need to get into. Um, okay, uh, can we at least establish that the main character is working for the quote-unquote bad guys? The, the character we that we can. just... Because it, it sounds like it if if she is part now of Hivemind searching for Detachment 1-A. Speaking of, hers was like 415 or something like that? 454-B. And she's an observation... Yeah. So, okay. I You see, in my last episode, I talked about how good Michael's notes are and how terrible mine are when I listen to stories. <laughs> um, it seems like they're creating quite a network to find literally like unit 1-A. I You can't get more first, first out there than 1-A, <laughs> right? Yep. And so it sounds like they've been searching for this person. 
for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. But also maybe 1-A has created a movement and they've been able to find other stragglers that have detached and are out there. And so they know that there must be an origin, but they haven't found the origin yet. Therefore, origin is being nicknamed 1-A since they don't know who started the detachment. So, mm, okay, there's definitely some type of AR or virtual reality or digital world or isekai that is going on is very much a vibe that I'm going for. For those that are listening, isekai comes from like the the Japanese anime uh, genre of virtual worlds or other worlds that are not quite real, if I understand it correctly. It, it's almost like a, a holodeck, so to speak, where it is very real when you're in it, but the isekai is a whole world. It's your whole identity while you're in that world. So the bad guys, they're obviously um, very controlling. The, mm-hmm. these, the, this is an organization or a world that needs to keep tabs on everything. So are they kind of like overseers and they're trying to weave a narrative and there are people that are fighting against it? Are we talking about programs that are taking identities of their, their own? I'm getting pretty big Tron vibes. I'm getting I wanna, kind of like Loki sacred timeline vibes. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind actually? So Loki, Tron, huge worlds, right? Yeah, massive. I actually would be interested in dialing this back quite a bit. Let's do that. I'm okay with that. And I'm I'm still feeling the virtual world, but in a much smaller sense and for a much smaller number of people. So a and- single game of Minecraft and a single player <laughs> has burrowed so deep into the ground that they can't be found. They burrowed so deep that they they reached the core programming of Minecraft and it took over. And, and they now, broke into a different game. Now it's called Hivecraft. Ooh. And it's all about linking other players to the hive mind. Bwomp, bwomp, bwomp. Mm-hmm. That's what all Endermen are. They're just players that were once having fun in Minecraft, but they got trapped in the mines and became they got one too with close the code. to the core. Bwomp. Yep. Exactly. Ooh, spooky. Ooh. Spooky. All right. Creepypasta okay. Minecraft fan fiction. Here we go. Now there is, speaking of creepypasta, since you brought up creepypasta, the Backrooms goes off of the theory, it, from, from how it has been explained to me, the Backrooms goes off of the theory that the world that we live in right now is a simulation. And mm. breaking through the programming code of the simulation that we're in is called entering the Backrooms. So it's kind of like no clipping into the part of the level of our world that wasn't meant to be accessed by us player characters in our world. Oh, interesting. And this is real life. Like people in real life actually believe this. Oh, that we're in a simulation and you can no clip into uncompleted levels or areas. And they're quite dangerous. You thinking that this, whatever this thing is, that this woman, Juliana, and this strange red glowing column uh, is dealing with these back rooms are you saying there this is reality or no i'm not necessarily saying that but since she is being pulled out of her world by a next level being then obviously there's something about her world that either she isn't aware of or it sounded like she got disconnected from her own programming and when she heard the name of the being that was talking to her, it's as if she already knew that name. 
and was being brought to remembrance. And then she was being placed on a special mission um, above the rest of the planes, I guess you could say. So there definitely is a backrooms or an administrative type of vibe, some type of deity of the world that's plucking her from reality and then putting her back in again with new sets of rules that she herself can now play by. If I understand correctly, you're saying she's wherever she just released this room that she was released from. Are you saying that she is still being let out into a virtual world or into a real world? So let me see then if I can paint a picture of what's happened now to our main character, Juliana, right? Yeah. Okay. As Juliana focused on herself being again, realizing that her eyes were still fluttering, the ring of light gone, the pillar of red dissipated into the wall. She looked around and saw herself again back in her bedroom, as if she had never left in the first place. But only this time, as she glanced around, she saw something that was beyond what she originally thought was there, as if there were seams in the walls. She looked down and noticed, yeah, yes, there they are, little glints of light illustrating folds in the reality that was around her. What had happened to her? Who was Noron? I know Noron, she thought, as she reached out and touched the wall, almost as if she were able to press her hand through it. She turned and then knew, yes, I have a mission and I will fulfill it. She gathered her things and left her house, looking down the street. And again, down the road, she could see small glints of light as if seams between the layers of her world and the world that encompassed her. As she reached down, she touched her hand to that road, pressing against the light. And in an instant, she saw the whole grid system of the entire city roadmap. And she thought to herself that she needed to be next to the city hall. And just like that, she sucked into that beam of light and traveled and emerged outside of the city hall. So this world that she's in, this is, this is a, a virtual world. No, I think she's in the real world. So she touched the wall and she teleported in the real world? I, I kind of want to go off of... <laughs> this is kind of like the world is a simulation. So every single real living person is a real living person. But now that she is detached herself as an observer, she now has access to part of that internal program that controls the real world. So there is no other world outside the world that she already knows. It is the world. It's just unbeknownst to her, the world is controlled by an, an inner an inner coding, an inner power um, that runs everything. It's kind of like it's the energy source that causes the world to be real. And now she can tap into that energy source. She can tap into the, the code of the world. Gotcha. Okay. It just gives her some extra superpowers. Um, but I think what Neuron wants from her, I think there is part of his code or part of the code. I think Neuron simply is the world. And there's part of that world that has been breached. And Neuron doesn't know where it is. It's almost like black spots have appeared where from Neuron's perspective. And so Neuron is recruiting um, detached agents to try and find those black spots. 
Okay. So Noron is involved with this. He's getting out there doing the big and baddie stuff. Mm-hmm. What what are the bad things he's doing? Why so Noron's clearly our our antagonist here. Definitely uh, an antagonist vibe. Yeah. And I think generally the inclination is to be like, oh, we'll make him like an all-powerful, all-controlling entity of this world. Mm. He's he's essentially a deity. I, I'd rather not do that. Yeah. No, so, I, I don't think so. I think that Noron is very limited in what Noron can do. As in like the the individual people within the world Noron has no control over. And in fact, Noron probably can't even make movements of, of things that has to be moved by actual people. But Noron sees everything. But there might even be blips in more Noron's memory now, which is why Noron doesn't know where the blank spaces are because there's actually missing pieces of his own code. We could say Noron is very aware of his incompleteness, mm-hmm. but also extremely aware of his his potential. I like the idea of this city that you painted, and I, I kind of see something hidden away in an almost innocuous place. Like if I were to go for a city drive somewhere in Switzerland, and I were coming up along the bank of this, this massive lake mm-hmm. in between the mountains, I'd look up and I'd see a city that looks both modern and old. Mm-hmm. And wedged up against the mountains is this beautiful castle that looks immaculate. It's made of an old design, but it's quite clear that... It was made yesterday. And so, be, you know, if I were to come up, I would see this city wall that surrounds this. And were I to open the doors and drive through the city, what I would see are homes lining mm-hmm. the streets, markets, but they're all empty except for these cylinders in each of these homes. Hmm. These cylinders that are probably the size of like a living room. And oh, those are big. They are quite big, but the the houses themselves, the supermarket even, is all hollowed out except for these strange cylinders that fill huh. all these places. And in of itself, what we're creating is a secret base for our enemy, for Noron. Mm. And what I see is a creature who's come about, which I don't think we need to dive too much into mm-hmm. his origins, but certainly we see that he has a grasp on maybe creating a world that he has more control over. Mm -hmm. And he does this by pulling people into these other realities that he's creating. And that's what all these cylinders- he's populating other realities. He's populating and he's luring people in. And I like this idea that he's very observant. And although he has very little control of the world, he sees a lot of the world. Uh And Detachment 1-A is, precisely as the name implies- Perhaps it is someone who's broken away from the mm-hmm. network, someone who was formerly a part of the network, mm-hmm. and he wants back in for multiple reasons. It could be um, the threat that he poses, like what does he know and what is he doing with that knowledge? And Noron has his little hands. He's just a city. He probably doesn't have a, no- a population higher than, than 5,000, um, but he has influence in hundreds of countries. And he's slowly stretching out, gaining more and more power, but he needs to know where the heck is Detachment 1-A, and he mm-hmm. needs to know what's happening. Hmm. I love this idea, and I'm not sure if this is what you had implied, but the concept of Neuron actually abducting whole portions of the city and transporting them to different planes or different cities uh, in order to, to break apart his city 
to find the, the hidden spaces that 1-A might be hiding. It could be interesting because we, we did kind of relate this to an isekai type world, some type of digital world. What if this is the only part of the planet, part of this Earth, that is a digital realm? You know, what if Noron was uh, another worldly being or an interdimensional being that got trapped on this planet? And as people were passing through, Noron trapped those people and began making his own city. But, you know, Noron exists on another dimensional plane and the whole quote unquote programming that she, you know, Juliana gains access to is actually just her being able to touch his his otherworldly plane that he exists on. Um, and that's how he's able to control everything from behind the curtains. But maybe this entire world, maybe this entire city is an illusion. And on the outside, this city doesn't exist. And there's a whole planet on the outside of the city. But to them, it's, it's just the one town, which also suddenly is very, very cliche. You know, one city thinks they're the only people alive. Well, but it's very it could cool be interesting. Team very much cult vibes here where mm. everyone that comes to the city is coming to be healed or seek revelation mm. or avoid the final. That's phase. how he traps more people into it. So it is a real Healers city that people the... actually come to. Yeah. I think it's a real city. Okay. And I think, I think I like the idea that Noron's aware of the real world and has a lot of ability to observe and, and influence the real world, but doesn't necessarily control it in any way. He's, he works in what are these simulations that he's created mm-hmm. And he wants to expand his territory by pulling in more people, the more people he has. Mm-hmm. And so we Could have he this- make the city look way bigger than it actually is. Like on the outside, it looks like it's a huge metropolis like Tokyo. But honestly, it's just like a, a really small town. There's not a lot of people. But he makes you feel like it's massive. He makes you feel like there is so much going on there so that he could capture more people inside. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would certainly it's a, it's almost bait. make it like a horror yeah, there, there's there's a certain creepiness to this this world that he's building up and how it attaches to ours. Mm-hmm. But on the, the outside, world. the city, like the the country, almost, uh, you know, has its own history that he's literally rewritten into the history books. Oh, I like that. So the city looks like it's been there for five hundred thousand plus years, mm-hmm. but maybe it's only been there for twenty. That's oh. kind of a spooky thought. <laughs> now yeah. that that really takes us now into its own unique territory, which would really make it necessary to have a secret base. <laughs> right. I like this idea that what he's going throughout and doing is if we're in a modern era, I would say it is cars, mm-hmm. computers, all yeah. that stuff. He's going throughout and he's actually slowly just rewriting history bit by bit year after year. And especially influencing the younger generations and slowly mm. churning and manipulating uh, the populace at, at large to be able to cultivate them and prepare them for mm-hmm. merging into his simulated reality. <gasps> what if so, Noron actually is the being that created Instagram and TikTok and created <laughs> the got, fake yeah. influencers, like the travel influencers, the travel vloggers, so that they could go to this town and be like, wow, check out this completely hidden paradise and like encourage people to come fly out there so that he could trap them inside their, you know, inside these cities. But these like traveling vloggers are completely fake. They're computer generated, not real. 
Uh, okay. I think we've established a very creepy enemy and why we'd want to hide from him. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go back to the premise of before, I like what you were saying about, because I think now we're ready to actually build. Yeah. yeah. We know the why. We have a we world set up. Yep. We got a world. We have a reason why someone needs to hide. Now we need to define our character and their secret base. And I'd like to go back to what you're talking about before. I like the idea that someone figured out how to do what Noron does in creating mm. these simulated worlds. These now, pockets, Juliana, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's Juliana. I still think it should be whoever this detachment one. Yeah. Um, one A. Yeah, 1A is, whoever this person is. And I like this idea that Juliana was picked because she was formerly an investigator. Mm-hmm. So she actually has experience going out there, but she's still linked. The creepy part about Noron is he needs people he mm-hmm. needs minds in order to expand his realities. A hive mind, and so there, yeah. Yeah, there's several people in there that are there purely to enjoy the worlds that he's made. But a lot of people are there to create facil- or to facilitate the world mm-hmm. that he's making. And that's a part of the role that I think she plays. She's a chip, a processor, mm-hmm. you know, a component, if you will. Well, and, and it could be that Nora yeah. might not be able to see our world necessarily maybe Noron can only see what's happening through the eyes of the people in the hive. And so the more people that he brings in, the more that he learns about the outside world. So he wants chemists, he wants architects, he wants the great minds of the world to be there so that he gains more power through their minds. I think it's kind of cool because he is trying to understand our world so much and he wants to control it. And I think our protagonist in the story, Juliana would be our hero. She would be the person to to come in and and ultimately save the day. But the person, the rebel, if you will, against Noron, I think he's actually doing something very similar to what Noron's doing, but he does it to help people. Mm -hmm. And he's actually not so interested in rebelling. And I think it would be a cool moment in the story where Juliana is coming up and I'm going to say it's like an apartment building in New York. She's been tracking one dash A, finds out their name is uh, Dr. Sullivan. And Dr. Sullivan was formerly a, a citizen of the town Noron. He was one of the first. And then he went missing. And Noron couldn't track him, couldn't find him, had no idea where he went. And so she searched and she searched and she searched. And she eventually found... Uh, an apartment building called uh, Sullivan Haven. And it was a hotel, not a heart, not an apartment, mm-hmm. a hotel. And it was known for its relaxing therapies. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of like, how should you, how would I put it? Novel Luxury. ideas, yeah. revolutionary ways to treat people through therapy. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, oh, okay. they have all these amazing things. And she's intrigued by it because according to the city records, this building has been there for, Years. It's almost mm-hmm. as old as the city, but the building looks so new. And she saw blog posts about it and she's seen mm-hmm. articles and she suspects something's going on. And when she goes to visit this apartment building, which is very hard to get reservations at, uh, she's able to get in. And when she steps inside, she's, it's like she's walking up down the street. It's noisy. People are charging. There's yelling, horns honking. It's moist outside because just moisture just can't get mm-hmm. past the city buildings. And it's kind of run down. And then here's this strange immaculate building that looks like it just rained and an army of uh, window cleaners fell from the sky and washed off every building right then mm-hmm. and there. And she opens the door and she's blasted with cool tropical weather. 
And when she steps inside, she's on a sandy beach with an ocean as far as the eye can see. Even though she's up high on this like floor. Right, right. Well, no, she's at base level. She's walking into the building from the street. Oh, I thought she had gone up an elevator. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. We could do that. We could build it up a little bit better. Like she Which goes would into the- definitely make it feel much more unsettling. I actually like that idea. It, especially if she, if you can see like the outside, like through like one of the huge, you know, floor to ceiling windows and she's entering like another, what she thinks is an apartment building, but she opens it and she's like, like ocean air that salty air just like washes over and then she sees just like the water and i think that could be a cool mind-blowing moment it would be an awesome moment where she also suddenly hears behind her like oh you found me and she turns around and there's dr sullivan sitting in the chair and he's like holding a book he's got a nice cup of tea he sets (laughs) it down on the table closes the book and he's like well uh, I mean, now that you're here, you might as well get treated. What's your ailment? And hmm. it kind of becomes like a friendship because she's dealing with the trauma of being a part of Noron's network. And yeah. he actually starts her through the healing process of figuring out how to find herself. So and he becomes the mentor then of this story. He becomes the mentor to help her become the true, because he's not interested in fighting the rebellion, but he's willing to teach her how to create her own worlds in the simulated network, mm-hmm. hide from Noron and fight back. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that his his hideout is the weapon that Noron uses uh, to trap people. And I think it'd be such a cool scene where she's like, but I was able to find you. I found your building and Noron knows where I am. He's coming. Mm-hmm. And he smiles he's like, oh, don't worry about that. Come look out this window. And she comes and she looks out the window. And although she was in New York, now suddenly they're in, uh, we'll say Hawaii, overlooking mm-hmm. a beachfront. And she's like, oh, you changed the simulation. He's like, oh, no, no, that's the real world out there. We've moved. And shows her, like, look at the blog posts. And all the blog posts that she found before, they're almost the same, but they're different people now. And now they're all based in Hawaii. And he's like, I can move this building wherever I want, whenever I need to. And I can shift and change the records just like Noron can. Like, it's pretty easy to hide from him when you know how he works. You know, he uses it's fire with fire. I know what I'm doing. And so now he teaches her, okay, I feel like we got it. We got two secret bases. Hmm. It's a two for one day. Well, and literally the entire story is the art of creating secret bases. And I, I love this idea. Like his secret base is the ocean on floor 22. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah but he can shift it he can change it he can it, it's almost like the building simultaneously exists in those different locations which is mm-hmm. kind of like a house moving castle with his like twisty doorknob oh yeah it totally <laughs> is uh but on a much more giant scale but I, that's a cool reality though that if he switches its location everything surrounding that building updates to to its new location yeah, it just it kind of shifts the reality around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows, maybe he's tar- tapping into the darker side of Noron and maybe he has his own people. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. it has Dr. Sullivan gone too far. Yeah, you does know, he it, have his own cylinders to power the realities? Uh-huh. It's I, I mean, thought. here's another cliche, but does Noron already have total access to Dr. Sullivan? And Dr. Sullivan oh. is a front, you know, to to see who's truly loyal and who's not loyal. Gotcha. Ooh, Which I don't know if I would go that that direction necessarily, but it it could be it could be interesting. Yeah, I 
I think we definitely would be interesting to have him hidden from Noron, but definitely mm-hmm. some twist where Dr. S- uh, Solomon is certainly not who he seems. He's definitely not there to help. You know, he'll teach you all his party tricks because it's kind of fun. And, you know, you might as well play the system. But maybe Dr. Sullivan doesn't want Noron to be shut down. Maybe Dr. Sullivan is having way too much fun. And so he thinks that he's just, you know, sharing the secret, not realizing that Juliana is going to be the one that actually shuts down the whole system. Ah, And maybe Sullivan becomes another adversary. Maybe even joins with Noron like, hey, listen, you can have your world. I just want a little part of it. I'll help you take care of Juliana, who becomes a much bigger issue mm-hmm. as she begins to fight against Noron and creates her own secret base with her own little pocket dimension realities. Yep. It's just <laughs> like a little camp. It's like a tent in the woods that she creates and she packs it up wherever she goes. And so that's how she hides <laughs> it from Noron. Mm-hmm. It's just a backpacking tent. In fact, it's just her backpack. She unzips it and just crawls right just in. Just crawls inside. <laughs> Some homeless dude sees her do this and he's like, what? Could, <laughs> what if the phrase, um, if you see an unattended mysterious uh, bag, like laying out there, report it right away to authorities. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. It was Nora it's the whole Nora time. the whole time. It's been a ploy. I like it. Well, it's an interesting concept. I kind of like it. Um, mm-hmm. I, guys, just remember, if you want to create an interesting secret hidden base, because now that we've established all of this, really, we would delete all this content, show the secret base or go find the secret base and then mm-hmm. reveal all this backstory as we go along. We make it a story for our reader, watcher, mm-hmm. listener or whatever to discover as they go. And yeah, figure out what are they needing to hide from because that will help you paint what your base needs to be. And it'll come instinctively. So that's my suggestion. Start there, build up from there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just remember, why? Why are we hiding? Why why are we hiding? And again, part of that, it takes the world. Um, You need to know who your characters are. And like we were mentioning before, your base itself should be a character. You know, the, the ocean on floor 22, I think is a very interesting character. And reflects who Sullivan is using that as the example of a secret base that we fell upon in this story. Um, But yeah, establishing those really pushes the discovery or the creation of that base uh, and make it memorable. It makes it memorable for your audience. Completely agree. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Creator's Playbook. Uh, As always, we're so excited to have you here. We really appreciate it. We cannot wait to see what you make. Uh, if you're interested in following us, you can go on to t- uh, Twitter and look for Creators PB Pod. Um, and you can search with that hashtag. You can also look at the show notes and we'll include the hashtag for this episode plus prior episodes. If you want to find us on Facebook or in some other places, just look for Creators Playbook and we'll just pop on up for we'll you. We'll just be and right there. We're not we'll very far right away. There. Leave <laughs> us a comment, say hi. We'd love to yeah, hear Yeah, come you. chat with us. And yeah, we'll see you on next week's episode. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Creators Playbook is a Talea Studios production. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at contact at creatorsplaybook.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We cannot wait to see what you make. When I come home, all I want to do is hibernate. I just want to sink into a little corner and I want to be left alone. Oh, that just sounds so adorable. You know, with your your immaculate beard crawled into the corner, uh, playing your little Final Fantasy It's almost long g- enough game. to braid. Oh my goodness. Hey, before you cut it, braid it. Then you could be a Viking. 
I then I could be a Viking. Yeah, oh, get a Viking helmet and an to... axe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're thinking. Now we're on the same page. There, we're we're cooking in gas. Well, <laughs> it, everyone. Yes. And we're we're cooking with gas, <laughs> chemicals. This is, this is why I don't quote things ever because I'm not good at it. 